Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today, for the opportunity to be in your house with your people, for the opportunity to go through your word and to recognize that you are the place where we should be looking for instruction on how to love one another. For you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us. Lord, we pray that you would soften our hearts and minds to what you have to say in your scriptures. We ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Now, I've gotten a few eyebrow raises when people heard what book I was going to be preaching out of this week. Uh, I promise I stayed away from the Twin Gazelles, uh, and we can get a little bit into why we talked about this passage later. Uh, but we're going to be in Song of Solomon, or Song of Songs, depending on your translation and preference, chapter 7, verses 11 through 13. It says, Come, my lover, let us go to the countryside. Let us spend the night in the villages. Let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded, if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom. There I will give you my love. The mandrakes send out their fragrance, and at our door is every delicacy, both new and old, that I have stored up for you, my lover. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your love, your love that endures forever, the fact that you deliver us, the fact that you redeem us, the fact that you care so much for us. We lift up the kids as we send them off to kids' church, and we lift up the uh, older kids as we listen to what your word has to say for us. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. All right, release the children. And they're off. Ah. Good morning. I know some of you guys are curious. I had I had I think two people say Hey, what's going on with this week's scripture? They wanted to know. They wanted the inside scoop. Valentine's Day is coming up, Kenny. That's right. It's a week from today. So, gentlemen, you've been warned. Super Bowl Sunday is today, so that's your day. And then next week is not your day. (laughs) I don't know if you heard Bobby, but Bobby said next week's Daytona, which... I, I don't really follow much of any kind of sport. Uh, I'll be honest. I didn't realize that the Super Bowl was going to be today until like a week and a half ago. Uh, I just am pretty much oblivious to anything that's going on in the news or sports. Uh, I, I'm just oblivious, which some people support, some people get confused by, but that's where I'm at. So uh, I guess that's what I have to say about that. So this morning, we are in the Song of Solomon which now that the kids are gone, it's a pretty juicy book. (laughs) 
Now, I'm not, I'm not going into the, to the real juicy verses, but for those of you who don't know, when, when I joked earlier about the twin gazelles, it was talking about boobs. Yes, I said it. I said it. The Bible talks about boobs. Now, we laugh. We laugh at that, but it's not something we really talk about in church. It's super stigmatized. It's awkward. And we don't really know what to do with it. So we just kind of gloss over the entire book of the Song of Songs and we say, yeah, that was kind of Solomon. He was off doing his own thing. And we just leave it at that. He had a bazillion concubines and we just, we don't really talk about these things. But it's in the Bible for a reason. And I wanted to talk about that a little bit. I felt a little bit challenged by the fact that we almost never talk about sex in the church, but you turn on the TV and it's everywhere. I don't think that's okay. So we're going to talk about sex. I, I actually thought about, I don't know how many of you guys are into funk music, but my brain, when I was thinking about this sermon, thought about the song, Let's Talk About Sex. But I decided that was not a good idea to be the little intro warm-up video. So I refrain from that. <laughs> You're welcome, Mark. Yeah, sometimes, sometimes I do utilize a little bit of self-control. So, we're going to talk about sex, and I know that that's a little bit weird, but I think that it is something that we don't do enough in the church, and we'll talk about some of the problems that it has led to in our society, but we'll get to that later. So the verses are, come, my beloved, let us go to the countryside, let us spend the night in the villages, let us go early to the vineyards to see if the vines have budded if their blossoms have opened, and if the pomegranates are in bloom, there I will give you my love. The mandrakes send out their fragrance, and at our door is every delicacy, both new and old, that I have stored up for you, my beloved. They're having a little romantic weekend getaway. It's kind of like Northeast in the fall. You know, they were going out, and they were taking a deep breath of the air, and they were enjoying the sweet fragrances. So like I said, this is in the Bible, this romantic stuff, the verses about boobs. It's in the Bible. I know that, I, I know that some of you are chuckling, but it, it really is in the Bible, yet we never talk about these things. Why don't we talk about these things? And it's pretty important in Genesis chapter 1, when God makes people, he says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. God's first commandment, pretty much, was to do the hanky-panky. It was. That's, I'd be fruitful and multiply. Those of us in this room who are above the age of 10 know what that entails, right? Be fruitful and multiply was God's pretty much first commandment to these people. It's important, and it's a part of being created in God's image. Those verses follow each other sequentially. I don't think that's a coincidence. Now, granted, God creates things in a much different way than that. He speaks them into existence. 
but that is a part of being like God, is having kids. It was God's first commandment. And when they were created, before the fall of man happened, this is Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, the fall of man, when mankind first sinned, is the next chapter. It says, Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. Now, when I go to the locker room at the gym, and I take a shower, I, I wrap a towel around my waist, and I keep it on there until I manage to get my skivvies on, and then I drop the towel because I don't want anybody seeing my bare body out in public. That's not something that I want to do. Some people are a little more brazen with that, but that's not something that I do. In a perfect creation, they weren't ashamed. It wasn't a problem. This was very good. When God created Adam and Eve, he said, this is very good. For everything else, he said, this is good. But when he created mankind, he said, this is very good. There was something special about humanity, even in its bare form. And then the fall happened. When the woman saw the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The first thing that they realized once sin had entered the world was that they weren't covered up in those specific regions related to the first, I, I, I shouldn't call it the first commandment, but specific to intimacy. That's how I'll put that, intimacy. They went and they made leaf underpants. was the first thing they did once they realized that sin had entered the world. And God said, who told you you were naked? God didn't tell them that. That wasn't how God made them to be. He then asked, have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The first thing they noticed was their nakedness. I would argue that the first thing that Satan attacked was their nakedness. Was their intimacy, was their relationship. So I, I, I entitled this sermon SOS, you know, like Save Our Ship or Song of Solomon. My second point is that we need to save our sexuality. Now, when we talk about sexuality, usually people think of who they are attracted to, and that leads to all kinds of debate and question and conversations that get real uncomfortable real fast. I'm not necessarily going to talk about that. What I am going to confront is the way that we view sex. There's a big elephant in the room, and I'm going to address it. I have some statistics. It's going to be uncomfortable for a couple minutes. If you weren't already uncomfortable, it's going to get worse. <laughs> we're not going to dwell. We're not. We're not going to dwell on this long, 
but I want you to brace yourselves because this is important. So I found a survey that was conducted among, I think, around 400 people. It was done in 2016. The average age of the people who were interviewed was about 35. And 90% of the participants in this survey claimed that they were Christian, which is why I went towards this survey versus some of the other statistics that I saw online. The average age of exposure to pornography among Christians was for both boys and girls, about nine and a half. Not even 10 years old. This survey was done in 2016 with 35-year-olds. That means this was in 1991 before everybody had a supercomputer in their front pocket. And before we had what we know of today as the internet. That's scary. About half of these were accidental, so whether it was they found somebody's magazine stashed someplace or, or what have you, and about half of them involved a friend saying, hey, come look at this kind of thing. And less than 10% of those kids went and talked to their parents about it the day that it happened. Like I said, this survey was done in 2016 and the average age of the participants was about 35, meaning that most of their exposure was back in 1991, long before what we know of as the Internet. I know that that's heavy. I know that that's not something that we really want to talk about in church, but it is a huge, huge problem. Even inside the realm of the church, I believe, and I didn't go looking for statistics on this because I didn't want to necessarily feel like anybody was being singled out, but I believe somewhere around 50% of men struggle with it at least once a month. I believe that's the statistic. I could be off on that. And I think it's around 30% for women. It is a huge problem in our society. And I think a big part of it is because we in the church, the church of the God who invented and made sacred sex and sexuality, has been silent on the matter because it's uncomfortable. That's not okay. It is the most sacred and intimate union that two people can have. And we don't even talk about it. Yikes. So how do we redeem that? On a much lighter note, how do we make sure that we aren't on a sinking ship? When I thought of SOS and Save Our Ship, the first thing that came to my mind was the Titanic, right? This big ship, it was supposed to be unsinkable. It had these fancy doors that were supposed to automatically come down if there was a leak. And yet the whole thing sank. I'm sure the engineer felt real smart afterwards, right? The unsinkable ship is now at the bottom of the ocean. It's probably why you shouldn't challenge God by saying things like the unsinkable ship. But I digress. How do we make sure we aren't on a sinking ship? 
Well, let's look back at these scriptures. So we see that this couple is going and they're exploring the villages. They're smelling the flowers. They're looking at the mandrakes. Anybody know what mandrakes are? What's a mandrake? I see, I see Mark nodding. What's a mandrake? Yes, it was a root, and they believed it was an aphrodisiac. There's actually a Bible story where, um, yes, Reuben, uh, he had two wives, and, oh, yeah, I'm sorry, yes. Oh, okay. So Jacob's dad, Reuben, found the mandrakes, and... Yes. So these guys, these guys know this story. Maybe I ought to have them come up. Yeah. Everybody reads mandrakes and the story stops. Yeah, exactly. And there ended up becoming like this argument, and one of the wives basically prostituted their husband by giving the other one mandrakes. It was a whole weird thing. I'm not kidding. In fact, when he comes back from the fields from out working hard all day, she's like, hey, I bought you with some mandrakes. You come here. That's, that's more or less how it happened. Is it not, Kenny? That's, that's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is the CBV, as I like to call it, the contemporary Brentley version. But that's more or less how it happened. He said, hey, I bought you with some mandrakes. You come here. And what's funny is it didn't end up working. The other wife ended up getting pregnant because instead of relying on mandrakes, she relied on the Lord. So how can we make sure that we are putting our faith, our relationships, and our intimacy in the Lord. I know some of you might be scratching your heads or thinking in the back of your mind, Brentley, you're not married. You're a virgin. Why are you preaching about something you have never done in your life? <laughs> Thank you, Kenny. Kenny said, because I'm doing it right. I'm trying. I'm trying. It can be difficult sometimes, I'll be honest. But I'm trying to keep myself pure. And that's hard in this world. And it's hard when our bodies were designed for that. Adam didn't make it two chapters before God said, it's not good for you to be alone. We're going we to do something for this guy. Now, not everybody's wired the same way, and in fact, Paul talks a good bit about that, and he says, for some people, it's better for you to be single, and if you can rock that lifestyle, go you. But if you can't, get married so that you're not burning with passion and desire and you're not having all of these struggles. I want to encourage you guys to stop and smell the roses. That's more or less what they were doing in the passage. And I want you guys to try and find the balance. There's a balance to be found. 
God made us to enjoy that level of intimacy in the right context and in the right way. But on the flip side, he doesn't want us to give in to lust and to surrender our bodies to just whatever feels good. Because our culture would love to have you think that whatever feels good is good. That's not what God says. So you've got to find this balance of trying to find and enjoy that intimacy that God created us for and not giving in to lustful desires. So I encourage you, whether you are single, unmarried, widowed, or married, to find a way to seek the beauty in God's creation, in the desires he's put in your heart, and to balance that with staying away from lust. It might be a difficult battle. It might be an uphill one. Or for those of you who are happily married, you might be smirking to yourself. But I know it's not always that easy. So that's my challenge for you guys this week. That's why I talked about sex. Was it weird? Probably. Is it important? Oh, heck yeah. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for the way that you made us, for the desires you put in our hearts, and for the fact that you have made us for community, for intimacy, to love one another. Lord, we pray that you would help us to find a holy way to do so. We pray that you would help us to redeem what our culture has done to sex and sexuality. We pray that you would help us to cling to you, and we pray that you would help us to do so in a holy manner. Lord, I pray that anyone who has struggles with those things would feel comfortable, maybe not talking to us directly and being seen by others, but giving them the strength to call the church or to reach out to a trusted brother or sister in Christ, and talk about their struggles. Lord, it is a real problem in our culture, in our world. Lord, I also pray for those who are parents of children, that they would find a good way to bring up these conversations. Lord, unfortunately, kids are exposed to things that they should not be exposed to, uh, oftentimes way before they're ready before they have an understanding of what those things are and what those things mean. Lord, we pray that you would guide parents, that you would give them the strength to have those conversations as they can be difficult, and that you could enable us as a church to be more candid about those things, even when it's uncomfortable. Because, Lord, this is your world, and you love each and every one of us. And you love each and every one of us where we're at, in spite of our sins, in spite of our struggles, in spite of our questions. So I pray that ultimately you would guide us closer to intimacy with you as you are the lover of our souls. We lift these things up in your precious and holy name.
Amen.